1: Reminder before we start the show that TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner of Purple Insider and the Blue Wire Network. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collard here as always. And as our roster shuffling uh, continues here with Brian Murphy out of town, he will be back next week. Playing the role of Monday Morning Murph is Courtney Cronin from ESPN making an earlier appearance on the show. Uh, What is up, Courtney? How are you? How was your trip to Baltimore?
0: It was exhausting. It was very long. Um, I didn't have crab cakes but chad graf and i did have a version of crab um at the place that we went to on sunday night so it was good um i'm honored to be murph because murph always comes with like a fastball like a three seamer right split that was that a right baseball terminology no okay well uh two seamer (laughs) two seamer split seam i don't cover baseball i know nothing about baseball but he always comes
1: would be the faster one.
0: Okay. Well, he comes with it every week, and I'm honored to fill in these shoes and, and hopefully do it justice because this is one of my favorite parts of Purple Insider and, and seeing what he writes on Monday morning uh, for his column. So hopefully, I can do it justice.
1: And I tried to get Murphy and myself in the column that I wrote about how these thrilling games are just no longer thrilling to Vikings Mm -hmm. fans. And I wonder how you feel about this Um, because everybody is crabby after the loss, get it, the Baltimore, the crabby. Um, So uh, when I tweeted out yesterday, Hey guys, at least it's been entertaining. I was kind of just like hitting around. Like this is not good for anyone, but um, got a lot of responses that told me where to go after I said that. And I thought, you know, that's right. The thrill is gone, as BB King once said. <laughs> it's just not there anymore of a close game win or lose. Oh, well, at least we played them close that when it happens over and over again. And so um I'm I'm sure that you agree with that. It's that it's just exhausting. But let me ask you a different question. That Adam Thielen, when he came out and talked today, said that. He knows we have the players to win these close games like they did yesterday, uh, played another loss. Do you agree with that?
0: Yes and no. Um, You certainly have two very good receivers. Like when you go down and look at like the crux of what you have offensively, you have, you know, two Pro Bowl receivers. Justin Jefferson's an absolute star. Who's just not getting a lot of run right now Um, outside of that great 50 yard touchdown he had in the first quarter, two catches, 19 yards, one of them coming in the second half. That's not like he wasn't targeted, but there's something wrong there. Dalvin Cook, a superstar running back. Any team would want to have him. In mod, the, the, the epitome of the modern running back, somebody who can catch passes out of the backfield, um, you know, do everything that you want him to do from a running back slash uh, you know, pseudo receiver type role when allowed, even though they haven't used him that much in that role. So I think it's like when I always start with those three, because those are the obvious three, because then you look at Kirk Cousins, you're like $33 million quarterback. Of course you should be able to do the things that would come with that price tag. And he can't, and he, and he hasn't, or he just won't. Um, you know, taking chances, for example. I mean, I asked Mike Zimmer a question about some of the cover two excuses that Cousins is doling out week after week about, well, this couldn't happen. Sorry, cover two, you know, real exotic look. I haven't seen it before, allegedly. Um, And he's not able to take shots down the field. So, you know, with all that said, when Adam Thielen says we have the guys, I say you have some of the guys to get this thing done. Again, your offensive line still is not perfect. I think that they've made it work. It's actually kind of, I think, an indictment when you see how well Mason Cole performed in place of Garrett Bradbury uh, in his first start, like that's a whole nother topic, but you know, you don't have it in the tight end room. You have it with two and a half receivers because we knew the KJ Osborne thing would be like, he's here one week and he's gone for two here. One week gone for a couple, whatever. So I guess it's kind of a roundabout way of saying you have it, but you don't, probably have enough of the guys to get it done because you would be able to overcome things offensively if you did indeed have the full crux of the guys of all of the skill players that you're allegedly touting.
1: So a part of this for the guys is like several of the guys would be the guys. But as we wake up today, the Vikings are 30th in pass blocking by Pro Football Focus. I believe those guys are important and yeah, highly and, despite, and, and right. And despite this team's handling of those guys, um, they're still not performing any better than they ever have when they had a flawed offense. But I also found something else. I ran across this on the interwebs. I was fiddling around and I typed in Kirk cousins and Deshaun Jackson because Desha- Deshaun Jackson got released And Mm -hmm. I have always now not all of his opinions do I appreciate Deshaun Jackson or his life choices, but his performance I have always had a great deal of appreciation for is the truest of true deep threats. So I thought, what if they brought in like Deshaun Jackson or something? I don't know. They were making cap room. Let's just type in Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Jackson. Here's what I found. This article right here, this is from Clutch Points, which is some sort of aggregator, but Mm -hmm. this is based on a Washington Post interview. I'm going to read this to you. Jay Gruden has been candid about his tenure with the Washington football team, and he revealed some of the relationships on the team. While Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins had a couple of productive seasons in Washington, Gruden shared that he never seemed to have much chemistry with Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon. Here's the quote. There were some jealousy issues, I think, between the two of them a little bit. When they got in the huddle, I don't know what happened. If they gave Kirk a hard time, made Kirk uncomfortable, throw me the ball, throw me the ball. It could have been like that, but there wasn't real true camaraderie, I would say, between the three of them, in my opinion. Does that sound familiar to you? With two great receivers who couldn't get the football from Mm -hmm. Kirk cousins that was from february 2021 that article by
2: the way
0: and that was you know think of his best season of his career prior to when he joined the vikings that was what the 2016 season when it was deshaun jackson making him look good pierre goss garcon making him looking good uh jameson crowder making him look good he had everything around him like what do we always talk about with Kirk cousins give him status quo give him perfect perfection and it'll work You've tried that and it hasn't panned out to many degrees in, in Minnesota. And I think, you know, when you talk about that quote from Gruden about, well, maybe, maybe Kirk was uncomfortable because they were demanding the ball or things like that. Like the first, I just wrote this down next to me because I, I think it all ties together kind of with what we were talking about just at the start of the show. Um, the word was aggressive. That's an aggressive thing. Like, give me the ball. I want to win. Give me a chance. Give me an opportunity, even if it doesn't look like the play is good is going to happen or I'm going to come through on it. Give me a chance for a 50-50 ball, a contested shot, do something. And I just don't think that Kirk shares that same mentality from everything. I mean, we talk about sort of that, um, you know, energy that you need. There's not really an appropriate way to say it here on the podcast, so I won't, but let's just call it um, you know, macho guy energy. When Aaron the,
1: Henderson energy. We'll call it that.
0: Uh, Baker Mayfield type energy. That's a type of. I don't know how you describe it. Even though Baker's had his ups and downs and all that, but he has a swagger about him, and I hate that stupid word because we used that with Kirk earlier in the season because somebody said it and then a bunch of people ran with it. Oh yeah. But I think it boils down to the fact where it's I hate using this word too because it's a, it's a it's a cliche. It's that killer mindset, that killer instinct, where. You have to demand the ball in the highest of stakes situation, not shy away from it, and that's what those receivers have done. And what this is—that this, that whole thing that you just laid out—sounds very eerily similar to 2018, 2019 here in Minnesota, when the writing was on the wall that Stephon Diggs was not happy with with Kirk Cousins and the way that things were going offensively. And if you want to foreshadow that. You know, to to the current day when you have the playmakers, you know, Adam Thielen, if you read between the lines there and what that means, that's we've got the playmakers here. Kirk, you have the guys, you have all the weapons at your disposal. Give us a chance because you're not doing it. That to me, when I read that quote is is kind of how I interpret it.
1: Right. So every response to that, or maybe 90% of the responses were, well, they have to fire the coach. They have to fire the coach. But when you look back at the same thing being said, when they had two great wide receivers before, and you look at the graveyard of offensive coordinators who have tried to make this different, and they've tried every which way, that's where I think that, yes, you can have lots of criticisms for Mike Zimmer. And you could certainly look at some of the Clint Kubiak play calling of which there were shots taken yesterday and maybe a few even today by Mike Zimmer. But you could say, like, look, your your play caller isn't perfect. He's probably not as good as Kevin Stefanski or Gary Kubiak. Uh, And your head coach makes some pretty bizarre decisions when it comes to the game management. And I thought they got worked by a Ravens team who is the cream of the crop within game decisions. They, they pushed all the right buttons against the Vikings, even though for a lot of that game, they played worse football. Um, But yet the bigger picture keeps coming back to think of it this way. Let's say you have the, I don't know, eighth best non quarterback roster. Which way does your quarterback move the roster? Like, I don't think they're actually eighth. Maybe it's like 14th, but does it move Mm -hmm. it to the top 10? When you have those two receivers, by the way, they both left after 2016, both of them, two elite receivers left. And then another receiver here left. And I know it was more of a beef with Mike Zimmer than it was Kirk cousins, but we're talking about a pretty significant pattern of behavior. So when I think about, do you have the guys, I think like, yet yeah, no yes mm, some yeah some that's the right, <laughs> right that's the right way to look
0: at it because Your skill position, like you're never gonna have three of the same with the receivers. Like I know everybody like wants to talk about like a number three receiver. Like what KJ Osborne is in this offense is exactly what he needs to be. Situational receiver. Some days you're gonna be great and get a lot of catches and you know, because Jefferson and Thielen are taken away by the opposing defense, and that's fine, but that's not going to be a consistent 17-game thing. You have two really elite receivers who you should be getting the ball more to. And I wrote this in my story uh, coming out of the game where, like, they can't even get to to addressing their identity crisis because they can't even move the ball. Their identity crisis is, hey, we have two elite receivers – should we evolve more into a pass heavy offense where we can be a little bit less predictable, or we still have this really great superstar running back who is the you know epitome of what a modern running back should be? Should we be run first? You can't even address your offensive identity crisis that you're going that you're going through right now because you can't even move the ball because the person who literally holds on to it every single play um, is the crux for why this whole thing is failing and that's um. That's a pattern, and I don't know how you fix it. And, and of course, like play calling, I, I t- I've taken a lot of issue with play calling um, in recent weeks, and especially after yesterday's game, because when you watch that that series in overtime, um, you know the third and eight, where you've got the defensive end on the weak side, you know, coming off, you don't ever leave an, somebody unblocked, a defensive end, like on your blind side, unblocked. That was. You know, Zimmer said it was like an inverted protection. I think that they had seen it before or something or maybe they had practiced it a different way. They'd
1: seen the look, whatever. Real, real quick on that. Sage Rosenfels explained on Twitter that that was Kirk. Yes. Kirk has to change that protection that 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 was entirely. They had three over there and two over there and that they had enough guys to block those five. And he just did not change the protection.
0: But they also didn't. According to Kirk, they did not. They had longer developing routes. That's the word that he used when I asked him about that. He that he didn't have a hot route. How do you not have a hot route in that situation? How do you not have a quick underneath throw? Um, you don't have a checkdown. You have a check down every other circumstance, but you don't have one then. That doesn't make any sense.
1: Isn't this just though like why this team doesn't win these close games? Is that we talked to one guy and he's like, well, we didn't have the routes. We talked to another guy and he's like, well, should have changed the protection. We talked to another guy who's like, we drew up a. Plays, got yeah. throw it down the field, and then the reality is, Kirk is not good enough at all of that X's and O's stuff to be Tom Brady and stand there and do nothing. You make mistakes with protection throughout a game. You know who can run away from is Lamar Jackson. I mean, this mm-hmm. is what it comes down to for me: is that yes, it's like anyone who makes the coaching point is right, and anyone who makes the roster. Point is right that you built a very very thin like paper thin roster that if anyone got hurt there were problems but ultimately you're not getting bailed out at all by the guy who's paid the most to bail you out and, and this is where it's like yeah you're all to blame but you win that game with a quarterback who can run away a little. You win that game with a quarterback who's willing to throw the ball up to Jefferson or Thielen more than once and when the guy's wide open. Like you there's so many circumstances in which you win that game with a different and better quarterback, not even just like better in terms of his whole quarterback rating for his whole career, but just better in terms of skill set and mentality that in, you just instincts. About. Yeah. Instinct. Like I mean, what? I think the instinctual stuff
0: for sure. Um, you know, and that, I get that question all the time and I got it a lot yesterday. Like, does Kirk have the ability to audible at the line? Well, let's go back to last week when Kirk did not want anything to do with those timeouts that he... Apparently, according to Mike Zimmer, has the ability to call them in that situation at the end of the half. Like, I just tend to think Kirk wants to do his job, do his job to the best of his ability, and that's great. But anything that falls outside of that realm is like, whoa, absolutely not my responsibility. I cannot handle this. Look what I already have dealing with on my plate. And that's just, you know. Some people welcome, that's the aggressiveness. Some people welcome the added extra, yeah, I'll take that on. Yeah, I will master that. When just like, let me stay afloat with what I have because I've got a lot on my plate. I'm not saying he doesn't. He's got a million things that he's trying to do to make sure a play is successful and doesn't fail. But you throw one extra wrench in there, and it throws the entire thing off kilter and, you know, he's not audibling out of, you know, what the protection was, or he, you know, throws, it's a bad, it's, it's a bad read on a, on a screen to Dalvin cook that gets blown up. And I'm not using yesterday as an example, but it's like previously that has happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, those type things like tend to be like the downfall for this offense that starts with the quarterback.
1: Folks, Minnesota football is rolling along and there's no need to exhaust yourself looking all over the internet to find Minnesota football tickets anymore. That's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need for your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of those awful service fees that the other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best price on all of their NFL tickets Don't believe it. If you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference on the purchase price. So we've got lots of big games going on in downtown Minneapolis and lots of road trips for Minnesota football fans to take. So you want to go to TickPick.com slash insider to save $10 on your first order for Minnesota football tickets. Again, TickPick.com slash insider to save $10 on your first order of Minnesota football tickets. Right. And so it's always been said that if you don't sort of lay it all out on a silver platter, that it's not going to work. And that's why the funny thing is when you look at his quarterback rating and then look at his ESPN QBR, where they factor the game situation, it's a much different story. Like the QBR is much lower, which I think would make mm-hmm. sense to anyone who's it factor, yeah, Watch factors on everything. him play. And, th- and that's where... So it's like when you go through the, do you have the guys? Well, some of them you do, some of them you don't. Do you have a great play caller or a brilliant offensive coordinator? Certainly not convinced that you do, but do you have anybody who makes those guys when they're wrong, right? Like if Mason Cole doesn't call out that protection because he's a backup center, then who's making him right? Well, it's not the guy responsible with the football. I remember Jeremiah Searle said that Phillip Rivers, like, sorry, center, whatever you think doesn't matter. Philip mm-hmm. rivers is calling out the protections because he's the man, right? I mean, this is just oh. not this is exactly what Aaron Henderson is tweeting about. It's like, this is, this is not the guy who's going to put it all on his shoulders. If somebody else makes a mistake, it's like, well, it's your problem. Or if you have the other team is playing a cover two shell. So you can't go deep. He's not going to say, I'm, I'm going to put it in that window. No matter what he's going to say, mm-hmm. well, not my problem. And, this is why this combination of people does not win football games. And by the way, the last time they were 500 was week 13 of 2020. They were at 500. You know what their record is since then? Four and eight. Mm-hmm. Four and eight. They haven't they been above 500.
0: They haven't been above 500 since 2019. That was the point I was about to make. Like, isn't that crazy? Like yeah. when you think it's about crazy. a team that spent yeah. this much money in the last couple off seasons um where it's gotten them and and to one one thing like kirk cousins mentioned about the protections with mason mason cole yesterday and like no like you know he knows i have the ability to override him at the line like whatever i see but i trust him i trust him that he's going to get it right like he didn't do anything to apparently lead kirk cousins to believe that that wasn't the right call right there the one that the center was making well that fall, that doesn't that falls. It still falls on Kirk Cousins. Like I mean, like what you were saying with with Sage's tweet, which I saw. I mean, you can, and I get things change in football games, and sometimes pre snap is different than post snap. But you saw what was in the box. You saw what was going on at the line um, pre snap, and then the second after the ball was snap. You have a free rusher. Like if you're Kirk Cousins and you see an unbalanced unbalanced protection that's on you to change because your center can only look at, you can only see so much a backup center at that. I do appreciate that Kirk trusts his backup center. I think that's good. But like at the end of the day, you should want that responsibility. You should thrive off taking that being like, no, this is what we're doing. Um, Kind of like they've done. I mean, like when you talk about those moments of like Kirk going down and winning the game and yeah, he did it against Carolina and he did it against Detroit. Like, That gets legitimized when you do it in situations like you saw yesterday. And every single time it's against Mm -hmm. a team like this versus a team like that. And that meaning like the team that they've beaten those circumstances, this is the result.
1: And this is where I have gone back to many times. The schedule really determines how well he plays because teams that are really bad, um, they usually can't execute things like that. And the, Ravens did not play particularly well, but they made enough plays and they made enough adjustments. Now I have another crazy stat for you that uh, I want you to guess there are 36 quarterbacks who have enough to sort of qualify for statistics, like enough passes, whatever, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Sure. How many out of 36 NFL quarterbacks who have had a significant number of NFL passes this year are throwing the ball farther down the field on average than Kirk Cousins? Out of 36, how many do you think there are?
0: Well, I mean, his average depth of target against Dallas probably brings him down in terms of, like, where he's at, and he's got to come back up for that. I'm going to say 16, just about – maybe about a little bit over half. Is that –
1: 33. It's 33. Okay. There are 33 quarterbacks – who are pushing the ball down the field more than Kirk Cousins out of 36. And he's number 34. The only two who are being less aggressive than Kirk Cousins this year are Jared Goff and Mike white, who probably shouldn't (laughs) qualify here with enough passes. So really Jared Goff, that's it. Jacoby Brissett, Davis mills, Tyrod Taylor, like these, these people, Taylor Heineke are being more aggressive than Kirk Cousins this year. I cannot imagine from Zimmer loving the hell out of Gary's offense last year, that this was the plan. No. Right? Remember, I mean, Zimmer, I mean, practically just like talked about Gary, the way that uh, you would talk about the person you love the most in your life about that offense last year. And then, and this year he, they wanted to do the same things.
0: And it's not, but, it is very, but very different. Um we've talked about the play action usage where it's at this year versus where it was at last year. I don't, I really would like to know what the true reasoning is behind it. Is it protections? Are you worried about kind of what your offensive line is doing to sell play action? Like, why are they not running it as much as they, as they had last year? Because that's how you got the explosive plays the deep shots downfield off of play action. I don't truly understand why? Like, what? what is the defense showing you? I mean, Kirk Cousins talks about those cover two looks. You're not seeing that. I mean, you're seeing it a lot, but you're not seeing it like every single play of the whole game. So how does that factor into things? Um, your personnel hasn't really changed that much. Like, I mean, outside of the only thing that I could think is like terribly different is they use a lot of 11 personnel that didn't last year because they had capable and competent tight ends. And, and they just don't have that this year with Irv Smith and no longer with Kyle Rudolph and Tyler Conklin's only doing so much. Um, there's a, like, it should in theory be the exact same scheme, but it's not. And it's not that Clint's like trying to like change it and take the car, you know, uh, take the railroad car off the tracks. I just think that they've, the personnel part is where what factors into this because of the limitations of their personnel and, and what they can and cannot do offensively.
1: I've got a couple theories. One theory is that they are actually a horrible running team. Like they seem to think that they're a good running team, but let me. They're they're
0: unimaginative as hell. I'll tell you that. I mean, outside of that 66 yard run that Dalvin cook had in the first quarter, um, he averaged 2.75 yards per carry the rest of the way. That's bad. And in a hundred and of his 110 yards, I think 105 came on three different runs. This- not, but that's that's the story of who he is, though. When you think about it, like he is a chunk yardage guy. Yeah, yeah. Like he wants the big twenty to thirty yard runs to be, you know, that that bolsters his stat line. Go back and look at him over the course of his career. It's never been a consistent, you know, average. Like you, yeah, the average will look like five yards a carry, but it's not like he's doing that every single time.
1: Well, here's my statistical evidence for my claim, because they average in terms of yards rushing per game, a very high mark uh, and yards per attempt is very high mark. But in terms of expected points added, which sort of compares situation to your success or failure, they are the fourth worst running team in the NFL. And so mm-hmm. I think that this is where this is where, you know how they talk about marrying the run in the past. Well, certainly, sure. they're. I mean, certainly they're not putting themselves in position to marry the run in the past when you're on third and eight all the time because you're running on first and second down constantly. And if it's not, like you said, a boom play, but they, they also are marrying like bad with bad, right? I mean, like bad decisions by when to call the run plays with then like bad reactions to that, which is usually to just run again. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then not being able to also change with whatever defenses are doing because Vic Fangio's two, two safety deep defense has been adopted all over the league. You know, somebody does something well, then they take it because everyone ran the play actions in the boots. So San Francisco's offense doesn't work the same anymore. And the Vikings offense doesn't work the same anymore. And, and, and I think that these things all are playing together to one big bucket of you rank 18th and score it.
0: Yeah, of course, teams are going to figure that out and teams are going to have to adjust. But, like, where is the adjustment? Like, that's the thing when 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 Kirk, is that on play calling? Here's my thing. Like, when he talked about, like, the too deep look and that, like, oh, can't can't throw the ball, sorry, no deep shots, too deep, going to throw an interception. But like, that's what he's saying. I don't want to turn the ball over. Um, there's a reason that he's, I mean, great. He didn't, I think he's got two interceptions on the season, two or three, and he didn't have any yesterday. That's great. But there's a reason for that because he's not actually putting himself in position to take any chances um, and to give his receivers any chances downfield. But, like, if that – like, let's just say that that really is a big problem. You can't work around it. So what is that? Is that on your play caller to not have – like – do you not have like anybody who can run underneath route, a, a shifty twitchy guy who can get open a Hunter Renfro style guy? Like they can do that similar thing. Um, maybe not in Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, but how uh, that's my one question. What does that say about the quarterback who won't give his receivers a shot, which kind of circles back to the Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garcon thing that we were talking about at the beginning with your quote from Jay Gruden. Um, and what does that say about the receivers? Like, can they not do what I just said about like running underneath routes? I think they certainly can. I think it's just, you know, where do you marry all of that together to come up with a solution because they don't have one right now. It's, it's an all or nothing thing. Um, and that's in the passing game. Same thing with the running game, though, because they're so unimaginative there in ways that they just have not been historically. And that's kind of baffling when you think about. Yeah, same running back for the last few years, um, same backup. You know, now you've got somebody that you absolutely should be playing some offensive, giving some offensive snaps to in Kane Wongwu, because you know what do you have to lose at this point? Mm-hmm. And it might actually help you offensively. But like when you don't have those solutions to figure it out. And it falls on the resp- who's taking the blame, who's taking the responsibility. Like, only so much can go on to Clint Kubiak. Some of that has to yep. go on to the personnel itself. And, and I think in that circumstance, like what I mentioned with the cover two stuff, like that's on Kirk.
1: Right. And that's where somebody asked on the website today a question of, like, I mean, Clint Kubiak isn't really not drawing plays up for Jefferson and Thielen, right? No, of course I, not. I'm certain that he is. It's just what's what's the missing piece? And now I do remember I did a huge story on Gary, as we all did, and as everyone really should, even if you're not a reporter. Just start asking people about Gary. You'll get a lot of great answers. But one thing somebody told me, it might have been Steve Berline, was Gary was super good at being up in that box as the offensive coordinator. With, we had Gary Cam back. Uh, yeah, we you know, did, when with my binoculars here. back when he was here. <laughs> Just so we can make sure he's watching him him call the games was a pleasure. Uh, But, you know, so he said that Gary had this great vision for tendencies of the defense. This guy's playing this look this way, and this guy's playing that look that way, and they're doing this or that. And I think that only comes with the experience of being someone like Gary Kubiak over years and years. So that may have opened up the door for them to hit on big plays and things like that at times because of just his experience. So I don't think Clint Kubiak has that, but ultimately I fully believe when Mike Zimmer says, uh, yeah, we drop routes that have beaters for cover one mm-hmm. and cover two. Of course they do.
0: Every offense, Every, everybody does. does. Yeah. Right. This is but not like, new. It, but the way that cousins talks about it makes it sound like, Oh, there's only longer developing routes. That's a scapegoat. That's, that's saying that like, the check down or the intermediate route or whatever else it was, was not there. And I just have a hard time believing that when, you know, yeah, you are going to be caught off guard sometimes, like with the blitzing thing yesterday, like the Ravens didn't blitz a lot. Like, you know, they came in expecting that the team with the fifth highest blitz percentage is going to blitz a ton and they only blitz 25% of defensive snaps yesterday, which is their second lowest of the season. So like some little trickery here caught the Vikings off guard. they are like, Holy crap, blitz. It's in your face. And then the, the drive is dead and you don't get the ball back in overtime. Like that's good coaching. That's good. Scouting is what that is because that's like, okay, this is we're going to make them think that we're going to do something. We always do. We're not going to do it. We're going to throw it at them when they least expect it. There's been a lot of when you least expect it here type conversation, when we talk about what the Vikings and, you know, what the offense, what the defense is, is giving the Vikings. What about taking, like, that's my thing. Like when Kirk's like, Oh, I can only go with what the defense is giving me. Well, what about, what did you just take something like, you know, and that's, that's where the aggressiveness comes with taking shots and, you know, forcing them to adjust to you, forcing them to play you differently because you see a look and you're like, Nope, got to stay away from what I would normally do in that situation. That's a problem.
1: So I was thinking about just tying this all back to my initial question. Then of course, I mean, there's a pie chart coming for you. Oh, gosh. Mean, it doesn't matter if it's I'm Monday ready. or Thursday, there's a mm-hmm. pie chart on the way. Uh, but um, so I was thinking about it. Like, let's say you have the second, third, fourth best receiver group in the NFL. Okay. But if we, but if we go through all the other things and we talk about the flaws we just discussed and so forth, and you have, mm, let's say the 19th best play caller, and you have the you, – you don't have a, a very efficient running game. So your running game is just whatever, like 15th. Even if you have a great running back, it's not a great running sure. game. And you have a bottom five offensive line, bottom seven offensive line again. And you have a quarterback – who doesn't make any of that better or different. If guys aren't open, he's not throwing it. The, the famous Jay Gruden quote has really come to fruition. And then, so you take all those things, but you sprinkle in the NFL has changed quickly on defense. And mm-hmm. the way that they the, and even the way that they approach defenses, especially the smart teams, you mentioned not blitzing like teams now are doing the Belichickian thing of week to week where they don't just play their scheme. What a concept, change everything. Right. Only, yeah, no. only
0: took till 2021 for yeah. more people to figure it the F out. That's ridiculous. But yes, and, I, I, I agree.
1: And so what, what your result is, is your bad football team. <laughs> I mean, that's what your result is like. You have the guys like, but but all these things added up together, you have. Uh, a few of the guys, but nothing that's going to push that in any other direction. If you had all these same things and the greatest offensive coordinator in the world, then you are probably a bit better like they were in 2019. But you needed mm-hmm. a really good, a really easy schedule. And maybe even two years ago, these defense would have played you differently. It's it's like time has sort of passed A lot of these things, it's past a pocket quarterback who's really limited in the things that he can do. It's past a head coach who can't even explain why he didn't go for it for two at the end of that game with his defense being completely shot. He, you know, it's and its past like the Gary Kubiak offense. If it's not run by Gary, actual Kubiak himself. And even then there were times last year where we felt like, I don't know, is this being kind of figured out? So I think it's, I think it's everything.
0: And I do too. My- and I think that, like, it's the adjustment thing where if you can't adjust, it's adapt or die, right? And if everybody else around you is not trying to ram a square peg into a round hole, what makes you think that you can do it? You haven't proven anything with the ability to do it so far. So why do you think now all of a sudden you can get away with that? Like, that's just never going to be the case. And you're going to keep it like that the definition of insanity doing the same thing over expecting different results you're going to be banging your head against the wall as mike zimmer tries to explain his way out of this every single week and it's the same things popping up because you're not actually changing anything like you're talking about it you're not doing it or they are and and your quarterback's not executing it
1: sure
2: yeah. yeah yeah Sam Ekstrom here, wondering if you're stuck on your company's injury report. In an unfortunate situation like that, it's good to have someone in your corner. That's where Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer Law can help you understand your rights under Minnesota's workers' compensation laws. There's enough uncertainty in our lives nowadays that the last thing you want is to feel helpless if you wind up in a bad situation after a workplace injury – Kemet Sanford and Kramer will fight for you if there's been a wrongfully denied work comp claim so you can get the benefits you deserve. If your claim has been accepted, they help with rehabilitation disputes, medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, and ensure you're getting all the benefits you're entitled to on an accepted claim. Kemet Sanford and Kramer will provide you with dedicated and experienced disability attorneys that have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars. Our good friends Mike, Pat, and Evan will handle all that messy legalese to and from the insurance company about your claim while you focus on what's important, your recovery. And there's no cost involved for reaching out to Kemet Sanford and Kramer. In fact, you don't pay a dime unless they successfully obtain your benefits. You get paid, then they get paid. It's that simple. The website is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com where you can find a phone number to get a free consultation. This is an attorney advertisement from Kemet Sanford and Kramer, your Minnesota work comp lawyer.com. Uh,
1: so even though I'm willing to put, if I was doing a pie chart, this isn't what the pie chart is, but if I was doing a pie chart, even if I was willing to put like a 33, 33, 33 on like mm-hmm. Zimmer, Kubiak and uh, cousins, I, I think that, um, the fact that this is such a pattern with the same quarterback makes me lean toward, I think Zimmer knows the X's and O's. I think he knows probably what to do and it's just not happening and you don't have the line to do it. And you don't have the quarterback who is, um, suddenly become very, 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 very unbelievably timid. I mean, yeah. Like he's very shy out there. Like, like Alex Smith a... can't believe how timid Kirk Cousins is <laughs> right now.
0: So. Yeah, and I mean there are things to blame Zim for that go away from what we were talking about. The in-game management stuff is just baffling. I mean, you talk about the decision to not go for two, and yeah, analytics technically did support that, but like his explanation made very little sense. And and then, you know, giving the Ravens, gifting them a minute and thirty-three seconds to um you know, when you call the timeout there and you give them a bunch of time to go score, and they did, and they made it a one-possession game, but that's on you. But the same limitations with Kirk Cousins' game are the limitations they've always been. They've just been disguised yep. differently. And this year, I think that because the offense is struggling with play calling in large part, Um, but it's exposing cousins weaknesses because there isn't a work around this time as much as there has been in the past, because you don't have that institutional knowledge of how to find that work around as things are collapsing, as your quarterbacks, not taking a shot as, you know, routes are not developing, whatever, like you don't have that in game turnaround or in game, like, you know, adjustment right there. And that's, that's exposing Kirk
1: kind of for what he is. I thought of something funny and then I'll give you the pie chart and that'll be um, the show, but It's funny that like Kirk Cousins gets offensive coordinators promoted and head coaches fired. Right. (laughs) Think about how ironic that is, but it's just true. Right. Like uh, he He
0: hasn't done it in a while. I mean, Stefanski. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Stefanski. And then, you know, Gary retires, but like Stefanski, Sean McVay. It's like, wow. Oh, you got this much out of Kirk. Like you're hired. Uh, but Mike Shanahan and then Jay Gruden, who didn't get fired like right with Kirk, but that's where the franchise went down. And it's just funny to think about. Here we are with Mike Zimmer on the hot seat for like four straight years. So anyway, speaking of which these next several games, Courtney, I want yes. you to tell me pie chart two and O against LA and green Bay one and one they split mm-hmm. Uh Oh, and two. Um, Or just. Uh, There's literally nothing else. Well, I I was thinking about like roof collapses as being. Well, I mean,
0: like they did, they did just add two more players to the COVID-19 reserve list while we were in the middle of podcasting. So I guess one of them could be a forfeit. Um, Yeah. They've got five on the reserve list. Now the two that were added right. Just a few moments ago were Ryan Connolly and uh, Timon Paris, who's the practice squad um, tackle, offensive tackle. So, hmm. yeah, they, uh, I guess we could potentially see that happen. Um, I don't know if that's, like, super likely a forfeit. I think Zim would go out there and play himself. Um, but, I mean, we basically got, like, uh, a situation here where there's three very very obviously very likely and very realistic um, okay, put forfeit, there
1: because, forfeit. They, because they have like a mini outbreak here let's they kind of do yeah let's go two and o one and one oh and two forfeit uh okay. forfeit at least one of the games
0: yeah, so I will say that two and zero here ten percent seems like a very highly unlikely thing that's going to happen. One and one, I'm going to put that at a whopping 70%. So I've got 80% down. I've got 20% to work with. I'm going to say 0% for the forfeit. I do not believe that it would happen, (laughs) but 20% for 0 and 2. And the reason that I have like 70% with one and one, like they were right there yesterday. Like you in the chargers have been, like it was such a weird game for them where it's like strength against strength like with the with with Herbert's arm and you know Philly's run game and kind of all they were you know just the back and forth battle that they had there and they played them close. So I think that if there is a game that the Vikings are going to steal, it will end up being this one on the road where you know they're pissed off at this point. They don't want to go 0 and three. They just had two brutally embarrassing losses um with Dallas and then just another collapse. Like, and I think that you lose the locker room if you lose again like in that sort of fashion on the road against Charge. I think I think people tune Zimmer out. I think. You start getting players taking more than just subtle shots at each other in the media or at the quarterback. Um, so I do think that that'll probably end up being the most likely outcome. I just have a gut feeling about this Chargers game that they will win this one, but they'll lose to Green Bay. Um, mm. 0-2 does feel very possible, but um, and that's why I put it at 20%, but I just have a really heavy gut feeling it's 1-1 one one these next two.
1: Okay, I think uh, where you're wrong is to put zero percent of forfeit. I want to put one percent of forfeit because I just want to say it is. I think it's possible.
0: It is possible, but like this, this would not. I just highly doubt it would be this team. Like, but this team
1: is so unvaccinated. So unvaccinated. Very possible. uh, That well, also, I think that the city of Los Angeles has has yeah. There's a
0: new OSHA um, mask mandate or something like about like in in stadium, like what, where players have to be masked, like in which situations, the whole mm-hmm. thing.
1: So like, would they not so. let your COVID team fly to LA? I don't know. I'm going to put it at 1%. Um, okay. The one thing, the one thing I keep thinking about though, for uh, the possibility of losing at Los Angeles is 98 plays. You played 98 plays and then the defense travel? is
0: gassed. Yeah, no, I mean, that's even Zim said himself that like, he's got to be very cognizant with what he's asking guys to do. Everson Griffin played a career high 87 snaps. He's 33 years old. He didn't come back here, anticipate they didn't come back, have him come back here, anticipate that that would be his role. So um, they have to be really smart about what they do this week because your the defense was gassed yesterday. Like in overtime, they really you know, they did their best to like Anthony Barr and the interception. And of course they can't do anything off of that, but they were, they were just, they, they've been run into the ground. Uh, when you're on the field for 46 minutes, it doesn't take three days to recover. It takes a whole week, if not longer. And that's going to be a really tough battle against a team that likes to throw the ball a lot. And um, if you can't get off the field and have your offense be your best defense, uh, then you're in a tough spot.
1: Isn't the Stephen Weatherly trade just like, um, oh, my God, hindsight is a real yeah. B. <laughs> it's just sort of emblematic of kind of the team, though, that they, they think, oh, this will be fine. And then it's immediately not fine. DJ Wanham is just what well, he played more than half the game yesterday. And I think got one pressure. It's just like, yeah, yep, that's it. Yeah, exactly yes. what you thought. Yeah, that doesn't work. Cause that's not a good player and you moved out a guy that you would have immediately needed. <laughs> it's just, well, here we are. Well, but-
0: they got us. Don't worry. They've got, they've got a low draft pick. They got one back. They're fine. That's all that matters. Draft picks. They just,
1: they just, yeah, they moved up and they don't have one now in 2023, which, you know, I guess we'll, track that one closely that'll be the next Tom Brady or something so anyway (laughs) all right well uh good stuff and I appreciate hope I did hope I did Murph proud you did yeah no you did you brought it um, Murph is a little heavier on the one-liners, I think, so you have to I don't um, have as many um, of those work on And that. I'm also yeah.
0: like been up since three am Eastern, so you're gonna have to excuse <laughs> me on that. but I will come I will come prepared with more jokes and one-liners and witty, sarcastic comments next time.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah, everything will be fine. You've only got to travel now to Los Angeles after Baltimore. so uh, but, you know, someone's
0: got to put me on a pitch count this week. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm toast at this only, point.
1: Yeah. Only so many uh, TV appearances and articles for this week for you. So, uh, well, I appreciate your time and we will talk again very soon.